Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're speaking with the Minnesota Vikings' newest Pro Football Hall of Fame member, Steve Hutchinson. It was another tough game, but uh, we have to talk a little bit about this 20-16 to loss versus the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, overall, huge missed opportunity, I think, against another NFC opponent. Uh, outside of the first drive, the offense couldn't get into a rhythm. Uh, but when you put it all together with Cooper Rush, was able to squeak out a victory. Cousins, 23 of 35, 184 yards passing. That's not enough. One passing touchdown, one sack. Well, I guess that's a, a diamond in the rough there. Dalvin Cook, only 18 carries. You have Dalvin Cook, you got to get him the ball, right? He's your guy. You got to get him the ball. Our passing game's better when the running game works. It's hard to get teams to really bite on bootlegs and play fakes yes. when you haven't really established the run. And I was kind of thing. I was waiting for Dalvin to get going. Right, you're waiting. Yeah. You're waiting for Dalvin to get going. You know, the three and outs are killing us. I mean, and obviously third down um, is killing us as well. But getting the third and more manageable is is what what you have to do. You've got to get the third and two, third and three, and uh, and to do that. No loss yardage play, so the penalties have to go. Uh, the TFLs have to go. The passes for losses have to go. And you got to be more efficient on first and second down. And, and I think that's got Dalvin Cook written all over it. Defensively, they hit us for 360 yards through the air, two passing touchdowns. Amari Cooper, eight receptions, 122 yards of the touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, six receptions, 112 yards. You know, you, you've got this rush guy who's thrown four passes in his career and the game's in his hands. I figured defensively that would be exactly where we want him to be. And, uh, you know, you lose Daniil Hunter in the course of the game. Now what do you do? Team's got to rally. You know, you have 10 games left. So um, the season's by not even halfway through, not even halfway over, right? Um, and, you know, you're staring down the barrel of missing Daniil for a while. We don't know yet at the time of recording what, you know, what's going on with all with him and, yeah, it's a little different. Difference a week makes, huh? It was a rough week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so even though it was a frustrating way to lose a game, another close one, um, and it doesn't get any easier with Baltimore waiting in the wings. You know, they have a home game. They're coming off the bye, but we'll get to more of that in a second. But let's go to our guest of the evening. It's uh, He really needs no introduction other than he's simply one of the greatest linemen to ever play football at any level, and he's now enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's catch up with the one and only Steve Hutchinson. It is uh, my pleasure to bring in uh, newly selected Hall of Fame member Steve Hutchinson. And Steve, you've been asked a million questions, I'm sure, over the last, I mean, the last month, two months. It's been probably one of the craziest things and most beautiful things you've ever experienced. We're going to let you talk about what you right now want to talk about. So what do you want to talk about, Steve? Tell us, just tell me, what do you, what do you want to talk about? I mean, I got questions about like the chicken farming and you're a chicken farmer. What's up with oh, that? Yeah, It's kind of a COVID problem. I think it started with COVID. <laughs> like it was, it was, we were talking, she's been talking about it for a while, <laughs> uh, actually pre COVID. And it was like, do we get this? One of those little coops from like William Sonoma. That's like, you know, the, the size of like a, like a playhouse. So as COVID hit and then every, literally everybody thought the world was going to end and you were going to have to farm your own food. And, Which would be fine with you, you right? Own, you would, you would you'd yeah, be fine, fine with that. With yeah, absolutely. And so I was like, so somehow in Nashville, we got stumbled upon this company that makes like sheds for the yard and it's Amish made stuff. Well, they started making 
uh, a couple of years ago, they started making these coupes and they were like pretty damn good looking. Like, you know, they were all pretty bougie for, for what they were. And so I needed a project during COVID. And so I go out there and I, I pull the, you know, I'm, 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 I'm shooting the, uh, I'm shooting the backyard with, with my, um, with transit and, you know, leveling it out, something to do. I form it up, have some guy come over and pull us for a slab. And, and, uh, so then I get this, I order this thing, they bring it over and they, they deliver it, uh, uh, on a, on a, li- a forklift and set it. And, and so I got this big old chicken coop. So my, we get the chickens like a week old, kind of raise them up. And, you know, four or five months later, they, they get ready to start laying eggs. And we had four chickens that, we were getting three, four eggs a, a day, you know, uh, every, you know, maybe maybe five eggs every, every two days. And it was crazy. And so, and so they're, they're the best tasted eggs ever. It's unbelievable. And you don't have to, you don't have to refrigerate them. So we got this little basket on the, on the kitchen counter and full of eggs and, you know, in the morning yeah. just pop up and it's, it's phenomenal. And um, so they're, they're more, I look at them from food sustainability standpoint, and right. they're pets to everybody else in the house. Right. And I'm like, well, if one of them goes, do I, do I grill the chicken? And well, like, say, yeah, if one of them, so we had a couple, if one of them acts up, it's yeah, just well, we like, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, bring out the hatchet. Well, I was going to so say, like, yeah, do you have a tree stump? Um, yeah. That's all you need. Tree stump and a hatchet and away yeah, you go. Just, yeah. Just tree stump and a hatchet. Yeah. You just, yeah. So no, we, we had two, we had two pass. Uh, I, I, I didn't realize until the next day and it was in the summer. So I'm figuring that dead chicken sitting out in the 90 degree heat probably aren't, aren't good to eat. So, uh, so we got rid of them. Got, we got a couple more that, um, so we're we're back to four and um yeah it's uh but but no it's you know chickens are you know just another another thing to another thing to clean up and do and wonder why the hell I'm doing it. So is is that the secret to losing 70 pounds? I mean how did how did you lose 70 pounds? I, I had finished up I had I ended up having to get a knee surgery my my first and only knee surgery and knock on wood it's my only. Um uh, ended up getting a scope microfracture in my knee and so Wow sitting around rehabbing that I, I probably was the highest I've ever been um I had made the decision I was going to retire so I was like 322 and uh, after you know being in the knee brace for months and um as soon as I started being able to you know get on the bike and and get out of the, the knee brace and all that I was like I am I'm not going to be one of these guys that says all right I'm going to take six months and live my life and gain 40 pounds and then spend the next 20 years trying to lose the 40 pounds a game you know yeah so, I jumped on this keto diet, which was the new fad at the time. Oh, um, all right. It was just kind of the thing, you know. And and my my doctor's like, well, let's just do your blood work every six months, make sure you're not, you're you know, you're losing weight, but your cholesterol's not going through the roof. So, I didn't do the butter and bacon only like a lot of people do. I, I was doing no carbs, and I was doing it, and so I, literally it started falling off. And like I got down to probably like two seventy, two seventy five, probably plateaued there for a while. Got off the keto, just stayed with the low carb, started getting into cardio and when I got when I when I seemed to get down to 275 ish I felt like I could run a little bit more than I ever had like when I was playing like if I, if, right if I was if I got on the treadmill for a mile like it looked like I was about to have I need the defibrillator you know <laughs> like when you're 315 running a mile you're you just think you're gonna die right. and so I, I started running outside a little bit there was this little like we have this by where I live in Nashville there's this like Thanksgiving day turkey trot which is like a five mile run and there you go you know I, I built up to it and I actually did it and I did it like a, you know, like a 10 mile, you know, 10 minute pace. And so I was like, I can do this. So I, I kind of got in the cardio thing for a while because my whole life I've never been able to do it. And, um, and then the weight started falling off with the low carb. And then about three years ago, I jumped on this, uh, the intermittent fasting train. And mm-hmm. so I kind of do that coupled with the low carb and I'm not really strict keto anymore, but I just kind of eat in that eight hour window between noon and 8 PM and, and like, 
you know, and, and uh, just kind of a couple salads a day. And, um, so, you know, I'll go out with the boys and have some wings and beers every there now you and go. then, but like for the most part. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's good because my, my knees, my back, everything's like, it's just great. And then the best part about it is I can walk into a store and like buy clothes. <laughs> you know, I don't have to go to the fat guy section send out for Omar, the tent maker to, to you know, wrap canvas around me like I used uh, to have to. So let me ask you this. How old were you the first time you weighed 240? I haven't been this low since high school. Wow. Uh, when I reported to Michigan as a freshman, I was 297. Good God. Yeah, and so and so I was probably I played probably Dan maybe fifteen. I was probably I was probably my junior year of high school. I was two seventy five, and so like I was. It's probably been my sophomore year of high school since I was been down like this. Wow. Do you follow the alma mater? Do you go back there all the time? Is this a, this is a nice setup question from, from two days ago. Isn't this? This is, this no, is, it's not. I, I, I no, I honestly, I, I, I it doesn't matter. Um, to me. I do follow it. Like we, there's a group of us guys I played with that. Um, we kind of try to make a guy's trip at least once a year and go up for a game. And I was up at the uh, Michigan uh, Husky game. They they played the night game uh, earlier this season. They brought me up and did kind of a little bit of a recognition thing for the hall. So I was up there. The AD is a good friend of mine, Ward Manuel. He, he was uh, he was in the athletic department uh, on the bottom of the totem pole when I was playing. So and he played at Michigan. So he's a good buddy. And I still got a lot of friends in the athletic department and around campus. So like you know, you went to, you know, Notre Dame, I mean, same thing. Like, you can't not be involved, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, you're all, I'm always going to be a Michigan fan when I bleed maize and blue and you love when they win, you love when they win the big ones and you, you hurt for them when they lose like this weekend. That was brutal. So, yeah, uh, well, it, it's a different, yeah, it seems like, uh, it, it's a different time though. Right. It's like you played for different reasons. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, you, did, well, and I mean, you missed you know, that. And that's, that's all across the board. That's right. all across the board. I mean, you didn't know what you didn't know. All you knew was, you know, especially for you. I mean, we were in the same boat, like Michigan, Notre Dame. Like, you, we didn't have the normal college experience. Like, I, right. I look at some of these kids that go to, like, you know, nothing against, you know, Bowling Green or nothing against Boise State. They're, you know, they're 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 great schools and they got, you know, they they got yeah. good football programs. And, but and like, Steve, to you go to a school like Michigan or Notre Dame, right. you, and, you're, you're you're there for you're there to to go to class. They make you go to class, and you're there right. to play football. And they don't care if you have. <laughs> you know, you have the normal experience or not. Just, you're there to do a job. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it was different back then. Uh, you know, the recruiting was different. Uh, you, there, were only, there were a lot less. The, the top 25 didn't change much really year to year. But, I, you know, I'll never forget going to the University of Michigan and, and what it's like to play in front of 115, 117,000 people. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. mind-blowing coming out of that tunnel yeah. and just seeing yeah. that sea of human beings one that you will never and you never you never see it again you don't see that in the nfl you don't yeah. see that many people in one spot it, it really is uh it, it, yeah it, it makes it almost worth it right all the work because <laughs> all you do is work yeah. out and go to school yeah no for sure and then you go back now and of course notre dame is the same way you know they both stadiums kind of they looked like they looked exactly like forever and then and then all of a sudden now that you know with the suites and the and all the things and the technology they put in these stadiums, you know, right now yeah. the big house has got the, you know, you got the big suites and all that. So it even makes it look bigger. And it's fun to go back and watch those games now. Skull Stories is presented all season long by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's football season at Mystic Lake with Vikings Drawings. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and an ice castle fish house. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash vikings. Now let's get back into the conversation with Steve Hutchinson. 
Now, you, so then you got to the NFL, you played for a while, did well, got in the Hall of Fame. My question to you now is this, is at 240, you, John Randall, on a golf course, 18 holes, do you win and by how many strokes? I don't win because John plays 36 holes a day. I think, <laughs> I think he... I think he plays in the dead of winter up here um, with a with a with a you know he's got a snowmobile and he puts he figured out a way to probably put a I play golf well see that's the one thing I have is, is fortunately for me from from the waist down I, I I have a I don't really have very many injuries and, and the ones I had I recovered 100 percent from so which is allows me to stay active um, my shoulders are shot uh, I need a replacement so I'm good on scrambles. Um, when I can, you know, take some, take some holes off and, and have a beer. And, and, yeah. uh, but if I had to play 18 and, and play, you know, my own ball for 18, I, I'm, it's not going to happen. Like I, I get frustrated because I'm good for about 11 and then, and then I fall apart. So it doesn't matter what kind of round I'm having. Like I gave up a while ago trying to like improve and be like, all right, so I shot 90, you know, in May. Now right. by June, I want to be, you know, low eighties, like, cause I'm going to work on this and that, but like, so I go out there just to have fun, and and I'll you know, and that's the beautiful thing about the Hall of Fame is there's always you can golf all you want, right? Yeah, there's, there's I mean, going to be there's always going to be an email that says come play in this tournament, and that which is what they all are <laughs> scrambled. They're all some sort of charity or right you know, some function that way. It's in, and so I'm not trying to I'm not trying to get my tour card anytime soon. Well, I remember us being out. That was one of the first, actually, I think the first time uh, that I got the chance to really meet you and spend some time with you was on the golf course with Johnny, and I think around hole six or seven you had johnny calling the uh the clubhouse and the guy there the the pro delivered a whole new set of irons to johnny on the course <laughs> like around the seventh or oh, eighth yeah, hole yeah. i was talking about that with somebody last night yeah, johnny, johnny johnny had a you know johnny had a knack of wrapping clubs around the tree when he when he when he missed uh when he missed off the tee box and, uh, you know he always he always he always came in the clubhouse at 18 uh with with one or two clubs less than uh, than he started with, <laughs> but uh, from what I hear, he's kind of straightened out his shot off the tee box. So I, I think he I think he's it's a lot less expensive round for him these days. Yeah, it's no more fun. It's now it's no more fun to play with him, right? No more fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's going to beat you. you know? <laughs> exactly. You you are unique in this way in that you have and always have had I think a love hate relationship with football. You are still involved. You still do some scouting. What is it about that part of uh, football that you enjoy? And is it, is it give you enough of a fix? It's not yeah. just easy to leave it and walk away and, and not right. pay attention to it because it's that love-hate thing. Yeah, I mean, you know it better than anybody, too. You know, you played, you had a long career, and then you, and then you get into coaching, you know. And, and Ugh, I yeah. didn't want to go that route. <laughs> I, so when I got out of it, I, the first thing I did was jump into scouting with the Titans. You love the monotony and having the routine, but you hate it at the same time, right. you know. And so I got out of that, and then Seattle called me, and they're like, hey, listen, like, we know you're doing a good job. We, we know we don't. We want to we want to kind of hire you to be an uh, analyst, whatever you want to call it. And so – it's like you work from home. We'll send you every computer. You got all the film. You know, you travel when you need to. Go down the road as much as you or as little as you like. See some of these guys in person. Have you come to the Senior Bowl? Go to the combine. I'm up in there in the draft room. From that standpoint, it's great. And the game's evolving at the college level. It's it's not the game you and I knew growing up. Um, the the thing is, is you still have in this level up here. You you still got to run the ball. Still got to stop the run. Uh, you still got to be able to control the clock in December if you want to make a push for the playoffs. That's never going to change. But yeah, no, it's it's uh it's a game, and then the defenses are getting more and more complex. You know, when I was when I was playing, it was always like you know you had to watch out for Baltimore because they were so revolutionary. It seems like everybody now is playing that odd front right. to some degree with a yep. 
with a stand-up, you know, with a Leo guy, you know, that's kind of a hybrid guy to kind of do do everything. Uh, he can drop and cover just as well as he can rush the passer. And so, you know, in the blitzes and the isolations and, you know, you're trying to get, you know, the weak link on offense from a defensive perspective. You're trying to get him one-on-one. Usually a lot of times they'll leave a big heavy guy over the center because they know those guys are light and can't handle it. But for me, it was always, you know, technique was always the foundation of my game. So I figured for me, I was going to take away the guy's best thing and force him to do his second or third best move. And I figured I got a better chance against that than anybody. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of games within the games and, and you gotta be, you gotta be sharper because I think the game's faster now. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for your time today. I'm, you know, I miss the old days of going in the equipment room and seeing like you and Burke doing crosswords at lunchtime and Freddie Zambrelletti just giving us crap. And yeah. Sid Hartman shoving a microphone up my nose. And, <laughs> um, you know, those were the days, you know, uh, the good old days crammed into winter park. Yeah, uh, gone but not forgotten, right? Gone but not forgotten. That's right. Yeah, what did you Never think? What, what, what did you think of the? What do you think of the new facility and the hotel? And I mean, oh, oh my God, yeah. it's like Jeez. Disneyland here now. Yeah. yeah, it's like the place in Orlando, the wide world of sports. You know? Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> it's, it's nuts. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, these guys are these guys don't know how good they have it these days. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, that's why you're around to tell them. That's your job now. That's what <laughs> that's you it. do. Yeah, I got to tell them. Well. When I was young, you know, I had the old guys <laughs> tell me how good I had it and how bad they had it. And now, you know, you just fast forward 20 years and now I'm doing the same thing. Right. We just had to, we, our worry was not getting electrocuted in the cold tub. Yeah, that's it. I yeah, mean, make sure all the leads and the wires were, were not exposed <laughs> and it was grounded correctly. And now it's like, which cold tub you want to get in, which, you know, it's like the Olympic, it's like Olympic sized pool. And, you know, we, we, we just had to get there early enough so you could fit enough people in and right. uh, try to be one of the people that, you know, got in now, now it's like. I'm sure every guy's got his own cold stuff set to his own, you know, <laughs> personal temperature. So. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, Hey, I can't wait to see you again. Hopefully it'll be soon. Um, you know, I hope you enjoyed your time up here. The, you know, getting your uh, honor at halftime. That was, that was amazing. Your ability to, to give the gift to the commissioner, you knocked on his hotel door room. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that the, that experience, you know, talking to guys that have been through it, it's it had to have been an, uh, an unbelievable, just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. The whole weekend was great. Except, you know, we couldn't pull it off last night, but that's that's for you to talk about when we hang up. Yeah. All right. So well, you take care, Steve. Uh, take care of those kids, right, and we'll hopefully see you soon. Yep. All right, man. Take care. All right, buddy. Bye. Be good. Well, it was great to catch up and talk with Steve Hutchinson once again. He's truly one of the greats, and it's uh, it's it's really fun finally seeing him enjoying the accolades that are coming his way. All right, let's take a look at our Northern Tool and Equipment Keys to Success. Northern Tool and Equipment brings the power with top brands like Milwaukee, Steel, Lincoln Electric, Honda, and more. Northern Tool and Equipment, quality tools for serious work. All right, Jay, talking about Baltimore, it begins and ends with Lamar Jackson. He's their leading passer, their leading rusher. Um yeah, I mean, he, they ask him to do quite a bit. He's a very dynamic playmaker on the field. Um, I think the key to containing him, you, you look at the Cincinnati game, right? You always look at those interdivisional games um, where teams know each other real well. In Cincinnati, if you watch them, they did a really good job of of, of switching things up. It, it's, it's hard to slow Lamar down as a rusher because he's so dynamic and they have programmed runs, um, and then he has the scrambles. But what you have to do, I think, really to stop this offense for for Baltimore is is keep track of the tight ends. I mean, these guys, you know, you look at that list, Mark, you know, Mark Andrews, Eric Tomlinson, Josh Oliver, 
none of these guys you've really heard much of, but he's he's not an your stereotypical pocket passer. Doesn't have great accuracy, and I think that's why the tight end position is so key to him because it's usually you know around the hash marks, middle of the field. And you have a bigger body. You have a guy with a long catch radius. And and so if that ball is off a little bit, um, you know, throwing a little bit too far behind, these guys can, you know, come up with some of these some of these bigger catches. And the running game, I, you know, I, I think they're trying to get something going with Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell. But, you know, if you look at this roster, a lot of the positions are they're retreads. They're guys that have been around and, and they're bringing back Calais Campbell, people like that. So the running game isn't much of a threat. Their O-line is good. They're not great. They're not as physical as they used to be. It, it's really, you're right, You it all begins and ends with stopping and containing Lamar Jackson on this game. I don't know if there is one player in the league that means more to his team than he does to that offense. I, I Like you're talking about with the tight ends, those are giant safety valves for him. But and if you watch any of his games, you realize that everything is predicated on you take the ball and you do what you think works. And Harbaugh even, he just looks at, at Lamar and says, what do you want to do? And 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 trusts him to make the right play. And there are plenty of times where he doesn't. He's had some fumble issues this year. He's thrown some picks. He's, he's had some times where it doesn't work. But he is one of those God-given athletes that when you just put the ball in his hands, he can make magic. So I, I he is the guy that you have to predicate everything off of on that defense this week defensively extremely aggressive they'll do a lot of different things they play a lot of man-to-man their their dbs are very physical um but their their kryptonite's been the big play and if i remember correctly about i think almost half of the touchdowns they've given up were 30 yard plays or longer you know that's what cousins is going to have to do now that's not his forte scrambling around and keeping plays alive but he's gonna have to find a way against these Ravens because I think uh, if you force any of their defensive backs as physical as they are to have to cover Jefferson, Thielen, you know, down the field or for an extended period of time, there's going to be some big play opportunities. So unfortunately, it's going to be a patient thing. Once again, the game this Sunday is a noon kickoff at M&T Stadium in Baltimore. Be sure to join Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Mike Mussman, Greg Coleman, and myself on the KFAN pregame show and broadcast all across this wonderful and beautiful Vikings radio network. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Skull Stories presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.